Hello, everyone. Welcome to Better Health While Aging, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips about improving the health and well-being of older adults. We discuss common health problems that affect people over age 60, the best ways to prevent and manage those problems, and we also often address common concerns and dilemmas that come up with aging parents and other older loved ones, like what to do if you're worried about falls or safety or memory or even the quality of a senior's health care. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Kernison. I'm a practicing geriatrician, so that means I'm a medical doctor specialized in geriatrics, which is the art and science of modifying healthcare so that it works better for older people and for their families. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about a health problem that every older person and every family caregiver for an older person should know about, but many don't. And that problem is a condition known as delirium. Now, very briefly, Delirium is a state of worse-than-usual mental function that's brought on by some type of stress on the body or brain. And you may well have come across it. People most commonly encounter it as new or worse confusion when an older person is hospitalized or has had surgery. And so sometimes it's been called things like post-operative confusion or even post-operative dementia or sometimes even intensive care unit psychosis. However, as I'll be explaining later in this episode, it's not uncommon for older adults to develop delirium even when they aren't hospitalized. In fact, the very first case of delirium that I was personally involved with, I was a medical student at the time, uh, involved my father, who was 61 at the time and one day began talking nonsense, as my mother put it when she called me in a panic. And ultimately, we found out that he was suffering from a serious infection, and he was hospitalized for several days. Now, because delirium often involves people seeming confused or saying strange things, people often confuse it with dementia, which also involves thinking problems. But these are not the same thing. That said, people who have Alzheimer's or another dementia or any kind of chronic damage or vulnerability to their brains are much more likely to develop delirium when they're sick or when their brains are stressed by something. So there is often a relationship between delirium and dementia, but they are not the same thing. And we'll talk more about the relationship between these two conditions and the differences between these two conditions later in this episode. Now, as I already mentioned, delirium is really quite common among older adults, especially after surgery or during hospitalization. But many older people and their families don't know about it or they know very little about it. And the thing is, because family members are the ones who know the older person best, they are almost always the first to notice that an older person isn't quite himself or herself. But often families don't know what this means, they don't know what to do, they don't know what to expect, and perhaps most seriously, they don't realize that often the doctors and nurses will not notice that an older person is delirious or that it will take quite a while for the medical team to notice and properly intervene, unless families are proactive about bringing up the issue to the doctors. So I think it's really important for you to learn more about delirium, because even though it's common, and people are often actually rather casual about it, they say, oh yeah, older people get confused in the hospital, as if it's no big deal, and um, it's, I think, in a way similar to what they say about false, too. It's so common that we're, we're kind of used to it. But you should know that the overall consensus, not just within geriatrics, but also among healthcare quality experts, 
The consensus is that delirium is actually a very important problem that we all need to get better at preventing, detecting, and managing. So in this episode, I'm going to start by sharing with you three key reasons that delirium is such an important problem for us all to attend to, and then I'll explain more about what are the symptoms of delirium and um, how delirium is different from dementia. And then I have a list of 10 things that you should know about delirium and what you can do for each of them. This list is based on an article that I wrote for A Place for Mom last summer, and I'll of course link to it in the show notes, so don't feel that you have to take any notes because it's all online. So just listen and hopefully learn something about delirium. Now let me start by telling you in a little bit more detail what is delirium and what are the symptoms. So again, delirium is a state of worse than usual mental confusion brought on by some type of unusual stress on the body or mind. In the medical community, it's sometimes referred to as a, quote, acute confusional state, close quote, because it develops fairly quickly, for instance, over hours to days, whereas the mental confusion due to Alzheimer's or another dementia usually develops slowly over a long time. Now, the key symptom of delirium is actually not confusion or raving or saying crazy things. The key symptom is that the person develops difficulty focusing or paying attention, so they can seem kind of spaced out. Delirium does also cause a variety of other symptoms, which vary depending on the person. It can cause memory problems. It can cause problems speaking. It can cause the person to be disoriented. Um, and then sort of famously, it can cause these very vivid hallucinations that people will complain about. And in most cases, the symptoms fluctuate. So that means that sometimes the person actually seems fairly normal or seems much better. And at other times, they seem worse. And that's especially common later in the day or if the person is tired. Now, delirium is caused by some kind of stress on the mind or body, kind of overwhelming in a way the brain's ability to hold it together. And so the trigger is often a medical illness, but sometimes it can be just the stress of hospitalization either because that hospitalization involves surgery, and surgery is stressful because it often involves physically cutting the body, uh, there's a lot of pain afterwards, and then there's the effect of anesthesia, which can persist probably for, for a bit. But some people can become delirious in the hospital just because they're not sleeping enough, and because uh, they might not have their glasses or hearing aids, and just that bit of disorientation can sort of stress a person to the point where they tip into delirium. And that's more common in people whose brains are already quite vulnerable, such as people who've been affected by Alzheimer's or another form of dementia. Overall, experts estimate that about 30% of seniors experience delirium at some point during a hospitalization. So again, that post-operative confusion that seniors experience, especially when it goes on for a few days or longer, that's delirium. The way an elderly person with dementia might get twice as confused when they have a urinary tract infection, that's delirium too. So I'm going to tell you more about um, delirium in a bit, but for now, let's focus on this question that people often ask about, which is what is the difference between delirium and dementia? Again, both conditions uh, can cause confusion and often seem superficially similar. Furthermore, people with dementia are actually quite prone to develop delirium, and that's because delirium basically reflects the brain going haywire when it gets overloaded by the stress of illness or toxins. And brains affected by dementia or other forms of injury or damage inside the brain get overloaded more easily. So 
it actually is possible for a younger person to get delirium, but usually they have to be very, very, very sick or badly withdrawing from some kind of substance. Whereas a frail older person who has Alzheimer's might become delirious from something fairly minor, like a medication side effect or some sleep deprivation while they're in the hospital. So let me cover three reasons why delirium is such an important problem. There are three major reasons that you should know about. The first is that delirium is a sign of illness or stress on the body and mind. So if a person becomes delirious, it's important to identify the underlying problems, such as an infection, that was the case with my father, or untreated pain, or a medication side effect. It might be something major, it might be something minor, but it's important to notice and start a search to identify the underlying problem and treat it before it gets worse or before the person experiences a complication. And removing those delirium triggers is important so that the person can start to heal and improve. Another reason why delirium is very important, especially when it comes to the hospital setting, is that a person who is delirious is often at higher risk for falls and injuries. And when you see an older person, it's, um, it's less common now. It's actually one of the, the things that's actively not recommended. But it used to be that sometimes an older person was delirious and pulling at their IVs and trying to get out of bed. And so they would tie them down with restraints. And that's to prevent the person from getting up and falling and hurt, hurting themselves. But actually being tied down often makes delirium worse and has also been associated with injuries. So later in this episode, we'll, um, I'll review the sort of best known practices for managing people who are delirious and very agitated. But for now, you should know that delirium is important because it's a period at which a person is at high risk for falls and injury. And then the third reason that delirium is really important is that it often causes serious consequences related to health and well-being. In the short term, multiple studies have found that delirium increases the length of hospital stays and has been linked to a higher chance of injury during hospitalization and even a higher chance of dying during hospitalization. Now, before you get too alarmed about that, that is in part because developing delirium is usually a sign of some kind of illness or problem, so those people may be sicker overall, but it does tend to increase the time that people stay and increases the chance of something bad happening during that hospitalization. And then in the longer term, delirium has been linked to a variety of worse health outcomes, such as declines in independence over the following few years, and even acceleration of cognitive decline. So even though delirium is common, it's important, and that's why I'm glad to be here to talk about it on this podcast episode. So now let's go over 10 important facts that you should know about delirium and what you can do. So number one, I've already mentioned this, but I'll provide a little more detail here. Number one is that delirium is extremely common in seniors. So the clinical research evidence suggests that about a third of seniors experience delirium at some point during a hospitalization, and it's even more common in the intensive care unit where it's been found to affect 70% of patients. It's also quite common in rehabilitation units. So those are the convalescent units or short-term skilled nursing stays where people often go to recover from a hospitalization or maybe to do intensive physical therapy after an operation. So one study found that 16% of patients in a rehabilitation unit were delirious. So as you can imagine, that has huge implications for the person's safety when they're there and also their ability to participate in the physical therapy or in their recovery. Now, 
It's a little harder to know how common delirium is in the outpatient setting because when it comes to research, there's just less data on what happens in the outpatient setting. And by outpatient, I mean at home or in assisted living or in the primary care office. But it still can occur when a senior gets sick or is affected by medications, especially if the person has a dementia such as Alzheimer's. So what you can do, since it's so common, what you can do is be sure to learn the basics about delirium, which you're doing through this podcast, so that you can help the older people in your life reduce the risk and get help quickly if it's needed. And also, you'll be better equipped to understand what to expect if your parent or another older relative does develop delirium. I would especially encourage you to be prepared to spot delirium if your parent or a relative is hospitalized or has a dementia diagnosis. And what's most important is don't assume this is a rare problem that won't affect your family, because hopefully it won't, but lots of people are affected. So it's good to know about it. Okay. Next thing to know about delirium, number two, delirium can make a person quieter. Now, people often think of delirium as the state of restless agitation or confusion, and it's true that that's what happens to many people. But actually, many older people get quieter instead. And this has been studied. It's called hypoactive delirium. It's still linked to difficulty focusing the attention, although it's harder to notice because the person's just kind of quiet and people might assume that they're tired or they're quiet. But if um, a clinician or even a family member kind of uh, engages in the person and tries to get their attention, then they will notice that the person's having difficulty focusing the attention and someone who knows the person might notice that they're not um, as alert or with it as they're usually able to be. So this hypoactive delirium is also linked with poor outcomes. I mean, there's less risk of falls and injury because the person isn't flailing around or trying to climb out of bed. But studies have still found that there are worse outcomes in the short term and in the long term. So what to do? Now that you know that it's possible to be delirious without being raving and agitated, if your older relative is hospitalized, You want to be alert to those signs of difficulty focusing and worse than usual confusion, and you want to bring it to a clinician's attention. Don't just assume that they're tired or that this is what happens when you're recovering from surgery. Tell the hospital staff, because in the hospital, it's normal for older people to be tired, but it's not normal for them to have a lot more difficulty than usual making sense of what you say to them. And it's quite possible that there might be some kind of reversible triggering factor bringing on that hypoactive delirium, such as a medication side effect or sometimes a new urinary tract infection that the hospital staff can address. Thing to know number three, delirium is often missed by hospital staff. So it pains me to say this, but it's true. It's been documented several times in research. Even though delirium is really common, it's often missed, and some reports have estimated that it's missed up to 70% of the time. This is probably because in the hospital, people are often very busy, and clinicians often don't know what the person is like in their usual state, and so they may have difficulty realizing that an older person's confusion is new or worse than usual. This is especially true for people who either look very old, in which case hospital staff may assume the senior has Alzheimer's disease, or for people who have a diagnosis of dementia in their chart, and maybe the person usually has uh, mild dementia and is a little bit confused about certain things, but if they're much worse than usual or, again, have that difficulty focusing 
and, and state of being often spaced out, that's new, but it might be easy for someone who doesn't know the person well to think, oh, they're always like that. So what you can do, uh, the most important thing is to not assume that hospital staff will notice if your older relative is delirious in the hospital. So I really encourage you to speak up if you notice that a relative isn't in his or her usual state of mind. And bear in mind that hypoactive delirium is especially easy for hospital staff to miss. Now, there are programs for quality improvement afoot that are trying to improve delirium prevention and detection, but you can still play an important role as families bringing this to the attention of the hospital staff. Because remember, no hospital person knows your parent the way you do. Thing to know number four, delirium can be the only outward sign of a potentially life-threatening problem. So delirium is a little tricky in that it can be brought on by such a variety of things, and some of them are fairly minor, and some of them are, are actually quite serious. So uh, again, especially if the person has dementia already or has a vulnerable brain, delirium can be brought on or worsened by little things such as sleep deprivation or untreated constipation or excess pain. But it can also be the sign of a very serious medical problem. So for instance, older adults have been known to become delirious in response to having urinary tract infections, pneumonias, even heart attacks for some of them. In general, it tends to be people who are older and have dementia who are most likely to show delirium as the only outward symptom. And by only outward, I mean they're more confused than usual, but otherwise they're not holding any part of the body. They're not saying that something hurts somewhere. That's what I mean by the only outward sign. So what to do about this? Again, if you notice new or worse than usual mental functioning, you must bring it up and get your parent medically evaluated without too much delay. For older adults who are not in the hospital, those who are at home or in assisted living, you should call the primary care doctor's office so that a nurse or doctor can help you determine whether you need an urgent care visit or maybe even an emergency room evaluation. And I'm going to share a true story here. Several years ago when I had a primary care practice, I had a patient who had um, mild dementia and lived with her husband. And her dementia was like extremely, extremely mild. And they came in to see me for a scheduled visit, and she seemed much more confused than usual. And her husband said, oh, yeah, she's been much more confused for the past week and also more tired. And I said, really, you know, if that happens, you should really call us right away. And we started investigating her, and we found that she actually had a pneumonia and also a huge collection of pus around her lung. <laughs> Poor thing. She, uh, so she had you know, quite a significant infection going on. And uh, she was hospitalized and she actually um, did recover, but it would have been better if her husband could have alerted us within the first day or two after he noticed that she was different because the sooner one identifies and treats one of these uh, infections or illnesses or, de or delirium triggers, the better it is for the older person's health and safety. Okay, next thing to know about delirium, number five. Delirium often has multiple underlying causes. So... In older adults with delirium, we often end up identifying several problems, not just one, but several that collectively might be overwhelming an older person's mental resilience. And so in this sense, delirium is a bit like falls or some of the other problems that affect older people. They happen in part because it's a collection of little things coming together in a person who already has some vulnerability of the body or mind. So in the case of delirium, 
uh, although it might be due only to one new very serious illness, and that was the case um, for my father, who was 61, when he had his episode of delirium and his bad infection. In people who are older, some common contributors and causes for delirium include medication side effects, especially those that are sedating or affect brain function, anesthesia, blood electrolyte imbalances, sleep deprivation, lack of hearing aids and glasses, and uncontrolled pain or constipation. Substance abuse or withdrawal can also provoke delirium, and there are a certain number of uh, older adults who drink more alcohol than we realize um, they do. And historically, alcohol use or overuse was the most common cause of substance withdrawal in older people. But some of them are also using more of um, their tranquilizer than we realize, or more of something else than we realize. And so withdrawal from that can provoke delirium as well. So what you can do to prevent delirium, it's important to learn about common contributors and try to avoid them or manage them proactively. I mean, you can't anticipate and stop everything that might cause delirium, but with a little advanced planning, you can reduce the risk of some of them occurring or some of them piling up. So one way to do this is that if you have a choice regarding where to hospitalize an older person, some hospitals now have special units in the hospital that are designed for older adults. They're called acute care for elders units, ACE for short. And what they do is they have kind of reorganized the nursing care in order to minimize sleep deprivation and minimize other hospital-related stressors. They have actually been studied and they've been shown to improve outcomes in older adults who are hospitalized. So, um, so again, if you have a choice because it's an elective surgery or, or something like that, trying to find a hospital that has one of these specially designed units can be a good idea. If your parent does develop delirium, realize that there's often not a single smoking gun when it comes to delirium. So a good delirium evaluation will attempt to identify and correct as many factors and triggers and contributors as possible. Next thing to know about delirium. Number six, delirium is diagnosed by clinical evaluation. So uh, you should not be attempting to diagnose delirium on your own, but let me tell you um, how it's done by qualified clinicians. To diagnose delirium, the first step is that a doctor has to first notice or be alerted to the fact that an older person may not be in his or her usual state of mind. Experts recommend that doctors then use something that's called the confusion assessment method, which basically describes four features that doctors must assess and document. So delirium can be diagnosed if a senior's symptoms include one, acute onset and fluctuating course, two, difficulty paying attention, and then either disorganized thinking or altered level of consciousness. So in short, it has to be an issue that is relatively new and fluctuates. So sometimes it's better, sometimes it's worse. The older person or the younger person, I guess you can use this with younger people as well, as we were saying, younger people do sometimes get delirium. So the patient has to have difficulty focusing and paying attention. And then they have to either be um, confused, that's you know what disorganized thinking means, or altered level of consciousness, which means that they might be um, much drowsier or harder to awake or possibly extremely agitated. It's important to note that delirium cannot be diagnosed by lab tests or scanned. It's what we call a um, purely clinical diagnosis. However, if an older person is diagnosed with delirium, doctors generally should order tests and review medications in order to identify factors that have caused or worsened the delirium. And it's customary to start with at least a preliminary check for common infections 
and common imbalances in electrolytes. So what to do? Again, the most important thing to do is to get help for the older person and ask for a clinician to do this assessment for delirium symptoms. And if it looks like the older person does meet these criteria for a delirium diagnosis, then they should get an evaluation to look for underlying illnesses and triggers. Next thing to know. Number seven, delirium is treated by identifying and reversing triggers and by providing supportive care. So once a delirium diagnosis is made, then delirium treatment requires a care team to take essentially a three-pronged approach. First, they must identify and reverse any illnesses or problems that are provoking or worsening the delirium. Second, they need to manage any agitation or restless behavior, which can be tricky because a fair number of sedating medications can worsen delirium. Furthermore, the once popular practice of physically restraining agitated people with delirium has been shown to sometimes worsen delirium, and so it should be avoided whenever possible. And then the third prong is to provide general supportive care to help the brain and body recover. So you kind of have to create the conditions for the person to slowly get better on their own. So what you can do, the reassuring presence of family and loved ones is often really important in providing an environment that feels supportive and curative for the older person. And that does probably help people recover from their delirium. You can also help by making sure the older person has glasses and hearing aids because that impairment in vision or hearing can worsen people's confusion. And then you should also let the doctors know if you notice issues like pain or untreated constipation, because those are two common symptoms that are really easy for busy clinicians to miss. If the older person has been very restless or agitated, ask the clinical team how you can help. And then bear in mind that physical restraints are really a, an approach of last resort, because usually there are safer and better ways to manage agitation and delirium. And actually, in an upcoming episode, we're going to have one of um, the nation's foremost experts in delirium come talk with us about some of these other better approaches to managing delirium in the hospital. Next thing to know, number eight, it can take an older person a long time to fully recover from delirium. So most people are noticeably better within a few days once their delirium triggers have been addressed. But it's actually not uncommon for it to take weeks or even months for some older people to fully recover. And I find that this often takes people by surprise. Their older relative might have been confused in the hospital and then they go home and people expect that they'll be better and themselves very quickly. And some are, but many are not. Many actually recover uh, quite slowly. And I remember um, one of my patients several years ago had an episode of delirium and was hospitalized quite a long time. And when I saw him afterwards, he was quite confused. And I thought, oh, you know, maybe actually now he has dementia. But actually, he slowly got better, slowly, slowly, slowly over a whole year. Now, he was 92. And the older you are, often the uh, longer recovery can take. But that's just an example of how it, it can take a long time. This, is also, uh, this has also been confirmed by research. And so, for instance, there was a study of older heart surgery patients, and it found that delirium occurred in 46% of them, and that after six months, 40% of those people who had had delirium still had not recovered to their pre-hospital cognitive abilities. So what you can do, if your parent or someone you love is diagnosed with delirium, you want to hope for the best, but prepare for the possible. So... 
Hope that they make a quick recovery and don't be surprised if it takes quite a while for him or her to fully recover. So it's good to be prepared to offer extra help during this period of time, if at all possible. You can also facilitate recovery by creating a restful recuperation environment that minimizes mental stress and promotes physical well-being. So right after hospitalization, if your um, older relative does not seem to have fully recovered, it's probably best to not bring up some kind of difficult decision-making or stressful family conversations because you want things to, to be restful so that the person recovers. Next thing to know, number nine. Now... I kind of hate telling people about this because it's discouraging, but I think you should know it. Um, Number nine is that delirium has unfortunately been associated with accelerated cognitive decline and with developing dementia. So this seems to be especially true in people who already have Alzheimer's or similar dementia. So not only are such people at higher risk for developing delirium in the first place, but A study done in 2009 found that in those older adults, delirium during hospitalization was linked to a much faster cognitive decline in the following year. Another study published in 2012 reached similar conclusions and estimated that cognitive abilities declined about twice as quickly after an episode of delirium in the hospital. And again, this was in people who already had a diagnosis of Alzheimer's. So often when somebody has Alzheimer's, they and their family are quite preoccupied with what medications or what activities are going to um, prevent decline. And so people take medications such as Aricept and, and follow the research very carefully. But often people don't realize that it's possibly more important to avoid delirium if possible or reduce the risk of delirium. Because if a person does have delirium, they often experience an acceleration in their cognitive decline afterwards. Now, what about for people who don't have a diagnosis of dementia or Alzheimer's? So unfortunately, studies have found that in those people as well, delirium does seem to increase the risk of later developing dementia. So what you can do. Experts aren't quite sure at this point what can be done to counter this unfortunate consequence of delirium, other than to try to optimize brain well-being in general. And for this, um, I'll put a link to the article I wrote about the um, brain health checklist. But there are some sort of fundamentals that are good for brain health, whether or not you have a diagnosis of Alzheimer's. And they include things like avoiding risky medications, getting enough sleep and exercise, being socially and intellectually active, avoiding excess mental stress, and um, avoiding more delirium also. Otherwise, we don't really know what can be done to reduce the risk of cognitive decline after delirium. And so I think the main thing to know is that delirium can have pretty serious consequences. And so it's often worthwhile to just carefully consider it if an older person is considering surgery. I mean, not that older people shouldn't have surgery, but people often don't realize that there is this fair risk of having delirium immediately after surgery and that it could have long-term consequences. And so you just want that to be part of the process of balancing the likely benefits and likely risks if you're considering something like an elective surgery. Another thing that can be done is that um, you can learn a little bit more about preventing delirium. I'm going to talk about that in the next item. Not all delirium can be prevented, but there are some things that have been shown to reduce the likelihood of developing delirium. And so especially if you're considering a hospitalization or surgery, um, it's good to be proactive about those delirium prevention activities. So next item, number 10, the last one I have for you today. Number 10 is that delirium is preventable 
although not all cases can be prevented. So this can sometimes be hard for people to wrap their heads around, but let me, let me see if I can clarify it. So experts have estimated that delirium is preventable in about 40% of cases. And preventive strategies are meant to reduce stress and strain on an older person. And they're also try to minimize delirium triggers, such as uncontrolled pain or risky medications, or even unnecessary urinary catheters, which expose people to a higher risk of developing a urinary tract infection in the hospital. So a geriatrician who is a delirium expert, um, Dr. Sharon Inouye, and she's the one who has agreed to be on the podcast later on this year, uh, she helped develop a special program called the Hospital Elder Life Program for the Prevention of Delirium. And they did research studies, and they did find that it reduced the, the number of delirium cases for the older people who were involved. So the Hospital Elder Life Program has a website with lots of information for the public and family caregivers, including some tips on preventing delirium. So I'll post a link to that in the show notes. Otherwise, in terms of preventing delirium, um, the challenge in preventing delirium is that some of the things that cause it are out of anybody's control. And then some of the things that cause it or might create greater vulnerability in an older person's brain are kind of under our control, more or less. So things like how sleep deprived does a person get, we can't entirely control that. But again, if you have a choice and if you choose one of these hospital units that are specially designed to minimize the stress of hospitalization on an older person, that helps. Now, what about preventing delirium uh, outside the hospital? Less is known about this. However, since taking anticholinergic medications, so those are those medications that I've written about before on the website, um, and they include things like sedating antihistamines. I'll post a link to an article that, that lists them all. Since such medications have been linked in research studies to more hospitalizations for confusion, it's possible that you can prevent or reduce the risk of delirium by learning to spot risky medications and tapering them or finding a substitute if possible. So what to do? To prevent hospital delirium, you can carefully weigh the risks and benefits before proceeding with elective surgery or with anything else that comes with a high risk of delirium. And if uh, you do have to proceed with a hospitalization or a surgery, consider choosing a facility that either has a special acute care for elders or is implementing the HELP program, so that's again the hospital elder life program designed to reduce delirium in hospitalized patients. So those are the 10 items I have on delirium for you today. In closing, I think people often find it discouraging to hear about delirium because it's common and can lead to bad things. But I think it's important for people to know about it because I do believe that family caregivers can play a really important role in spotting it and bringing it to the attention of medical providers, and also in potentially preventing it or reducing the risk by taking actions such as the ones that are mentioned in the tips for families on preventing hospital delirium, which I'll link to in the show notes. And with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode of Better Health While Aging. If you have any questions about something you heard in this episode on delirium, you can post it on the show notes page for this episode. And I'll also be posting links to some of the resources that I mentioned. To find the show notes, visit betterhealthwhileaging.net and click podcast in the main menu at the top. Last but not least, if you've been enjoying the podcast, don't forget to support us by subscribing on iTunes. And if you've already done that, please leave a rating and a review. 
This makes it easier for others to discover our show in iTunes, and I would love for the many people who are interested in health or aging or family caregivers to be able to find it and give it a chance. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dr. Leslie Kernison, and I'm looking forward to you joining us for future episodes. Thank you.